the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Uh, There's a lot of news today. Uh, There's a lot of news every day now. I was reminded and reminding you all yesterday of the old cartoon. It's not that old. Eight months, I guess. (laughs) Seven months. And it's a picture of a representation of 2020 holding the hand of a representation of 2021 saying, let me show you around the office. Let me show you what to be prepared for. Uh, The audio that I want in the back of your heads as we go through what the president announced about an hour ago is this from uh, eight months ago. Bill, uh, welcome back, first of all. And uh, will you give us Joe Biden from eight months ago? I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. He also acknowledged the pandemic could impact his inauguration next month. Yeah. So this was right before his inauguration. He is saying the vaccine. He was asked, should the vaccine be mandatory? Should masks be mandatory? He said no to both. Obviously, that has since changed and changed dramatically today. The New York Times summarizes what the president said this way. Biden is requiring the vast majority of federal workers to get vaccinated or face disciplinary measures. Biden announced plans to mandate vaccines at businesses with 100 or more workers. We'll come back to that. But if you work for a company that has 100 or more employees, there will be a vaccine mandate. Should I say that again? If you work at a company with 100 or more employees, including yourself, there will be a vaccine mandate. The U.S. virus cases, the New York Times tries to tell us, are more than 10 times too high, according to Anthony Fauci. If you go over to the White House, you will see there is indeed a six-pronged strategy or what they call PATH out of the pandemic. I think my favorite one, as far as syllogisms and non sequiturs go, has to do with keeping schools safely open. We'll come back to that one in a moment. John Hinderocker writes, Today, Joe Biden rolls out a series of measures designed to force COVID vaccinations on those Americans who remain reluctant to get them. Federal employees, government contractors, and healthcare workers will have to be vaccinated. But that's not all. Biden wants to force employers to require their employees to be vaccinated. I cannot imagine what the constitutional basis for such an order could be. But then again, John, as John Hinderocker puts it, I'm old-fashioned. I assume we still have a constitution. In part, 
Biden likely is trying to distract attention from Afghanistan and the border. Notably absent from the list of those who will be forced to be vaccinated are the hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens streaming across the border. And how about those tens of thousands of Afghan refugees? Are they getting a double shot of the vaccine before being settled in various places around the United States? Will that work as a political strategy, what Joe Biden is proposing? To some degree, it may take our mind off Afghanistan. Americans seem appallingly willing to sign away their rights. And worse, other people's rights. For the sake of subjective concepts having to do with the name public health. Anti-COVID measures that I think are ridiculous and in many cases more damaging than the disease often prove popular. John continues, what is still not clear to me is why I, he, having been vaccinated long ago, should care whether others choose to do the same. If the vaccine works, I, who have been vaccinated, he says, have nothing to fear from them. If it doesn't work... Why is anyone being forced to submit to it? Increasingly, it appears that the rationale for vaccination is that you still may catch COVID, but your infection won't be severe as it might otherwise be. Fine. But for people under 60, COVID infections are rarely severe in the first place. Young people who think they have little to fear from COVID, whether they are vaccinated or not, are in general right. So the government should not try to dictate their health care decisions or their parents. After all, it is their body and it is thus their choice. That's not really in and of itself its own constitutional principle. It's a chant from the left And you can't really use it against them any more than you can use anything from the left that has been transmogrified. We spent some time with Hugh and Lewis Hallman on Tuesday talking about this notion of the personal becoming political. That was something the feminist movement brought us originally. And now it has been transmitted throughout the rest of of our public policy choices. Everything has become politicized. If Joe Biden did not want and does not want to politicize this disease, he would not make it a political matter. He would not do this through fiat, ipsy dixit, and mandate. He would rely on what the Supreme Court precedent for vaccination mandates has been since Woodrow Wilson was president, which it is, which is, it is the purview of the states. It is the purview, the constitutional purview of the states. And it is under that purview that the Supreme Court has told us and given us and created precedent over, particularly in a case having come out of Massachusetts and smallpox vaccines, that we get these words 
from Governor Doug Ducey, these very welcome words. Quote, this is exactly the kind of big government overreach we have tried so hard to prevent in Arizona. Now the Biden-Harris administration is hammering down on private businesses and individual freedoms in an unprecedented and dangerous way. This will never stand up in court. This dictatorial approach is wrong, un-American, and will do far more harm than good. How many workers will be displaced? How many kids kept out of classrooms? How many businesses fined? The vaccine is and should be a choice. We must and will push back. Thank you, Governor. Good for you. Good for us. Can we talk a little bit about what the White House is proposing for the schools? Just as the CDC is tightening mask guidelines. What if I told you that the CDC is getting advice and language on mask guidelines and vaccine guidelines for the schools from an organization that has spent $15.5 million to elect exclusively Democrats to federal, state, and local office last year. What if I told you the name of that organization was the National Education Association, one of the two main teachers' unions in this country? It's going to be increasingly difficult as a side note to hear union-paying employees, teachers' union employees, complain about salaries when their own institution takes $14 million from these teachers to give to candidates to perpetuate and propagate one political party in this country. One. One. We'll have more to say about this when we come back. But for those who say, take your kids out of government schools, how, any way you can, I'm with you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I want to spend a moment on this story on the NEA, the National Education Association, and the CDC. Before I do, let me mention that if you read a local paper, whether you are in earshot of only the Arizona Republic or other states, I know we have listeners in other states, um, look at what they say about child hospitalizations in the story. Rather than the headline, child hospitalizations for COVID on the rise, on the increase, dangerous, you name it. Today's Arizona Republic on a front page story on COVID had a report of 355 child hospitalizations here. Now, I know numbers can look high, but is that the whole story? Is that all you need to know about 355 children in the hospital with COVID? 
Did COVID send them there? That would be the first question. Are they there because of COVID? We don't know. Certainly not 100% of them are, given what we already know about how hospitals identify COVID patients. But let's just take, for example, that it is 355. Now, what if you wanted to say, well, okay, how many hospitalizations for youth or young adults have there been for the flu? And how many children are hospitalized nationally right now for COVID? What you will find when you try and do that research is percentages of hospitalization beds and percentages in the sense of population studies of one or how many out of a population of a 100,000. You will see, I'm making these numbers up, but this is what you will see. Something, stories mostly saying five out of 100,000 or 50 out of 100,000. Or we went from three to five out of 100,000 or from 20 to 50 out of 100,000 increase in child hospitalizations with COVID. Those are the stories you get. You cannot find one solid, accurate, total number. They love to talk in percentages. And when you do get a number, as we got in the Arizona Republic today, it's wholly unrelated to anything else. 355 children in Arizona in the hospital with COVID. Now, Arizona is supposedly not one of the 10 better states on this stuff. So we're in what you might call one of the poorer tiers, worse off tiers when it comes to children and COVID. Okay. So 355 must be a rather high number. Let's make it 500. And let's put it on all 50 states. How many you get? How many children? What's 500 times 50? 500 times 50, Bill. What do you got? 25,000. Thank you. Fine. Scary number. You ever hear of the 46,000 children that were hospitalized for the flu in 2019? Almost double. Remember the panic over that? Do you remember the screaming headlines? Do you remember the sirens on Drudge? Do you remember the press conferences? Do you remember the interrupted broadcasts? 46,000 children were hospitalized for the flu in 2019. Maybe twice what our very liberal number is for how many children are hospitalized in America with COVID right now. It's a problem if the concern is hospitals. Is that our concern right now, hospitals? Hospitals being overwhelmed, it should always be a concern. Who can do anything about that? Hospitals. Maybe, maybe, maybe not firing hospital employees who, for whatever their reasons are, refuse to get the vaccine. 
or a second shot of the vaccine. Who could these people possibly be? Listen to my interview with Lee Habib yesterday. He explains it pretty well in one family. One family of four, each with different needs. All of whom got COVID, some of whom got vaccinated, all of whom are fine. Some of whom went to the hospital, including Lee. So when you see numbers, when you see percentages, when you see screaming headlines, I'm going to ask you to do something, which is don't look at it in a silo. Don't look at it in isolation. And don't go crazy over a jump between three and 100,000 to five and 100,000. And ask yourself why the government can't just give you the data. Why? When they tell us they're worried about children, we can't simply be told what that number is. I know as a nation we're supposed to be math-addled. Not very good at it, as I just showed you I wasn't. But I'm good enough to know that when you're making public policy, you don't do it in a vacuum. And isn't that kind of the problem that we've had with COVID from the very beginning in this conversation over public health? Only one aspect has ever been looked at. Only one. And right now, not even that aspect is being looked at. How many in the vulnerable population are dying? If you don't want to politicize a disease, you don't exercise the levers of political power questionably to certainly being unconstitutional. If you don't want to politicize the disease or the pandemic, you don't tell people who have good reasons that they're unpatriotic for not doing what you say. I'm old enough to remember when Democrats loathed, loathed having their patriotism questioned. They were right. I don't know if they are anymore. Nor do I understand why they get the right to question mine. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Did you catch that lyric? All the kids at school were wishing they were meet him at night. Okay, Mike is in carefree. Hi, Mike. Hi, Seth. Uh, I was just listening. I just turned on the radio and heard you say you just needed to have the data and you can't get it from the CDC. And There's one very good site on COVID, which is apolitical, thorough, and concise. Well, it's not very concise. It's, it's a lot. It's the medical letter, which is published uh, by a group of physicians at Yale University. It's a paid subscription. It's a position I paid for it. Oh, okay. But you get, you can, they, they have been publishing the COVID summary and, and, and giving it out free online to the general public. Great. And it is about 280 pages of it. I want it. I want it. How do I get to it? Is it the medical letter? Is that what it is? Medical 
newsletter.com. Okay. And you will see now on it, you will have two options. One is vaccines mm-hmm. and one is therapeutic modalities. And the thing that's nice about this website is it goes through the, uh, the studies and how they were conducted, i.e., of what age group and who was and what what was flawed and it was because a lot of the studies that are quoted were cut, quoted from uh, Suriname and you know this, that, and the other, and you know whether or not it was legitimate. So right, I was reading a study. Pretty, one that keeps coming up is from Turkey. Yeah, okay, go on. I'm with you. Right, and and it has like twenty twenty pages on ivermectin, which is getting you know an incredibly bad rap and, and all kinds of fanatics in my field, which is emergency medicine, saying, oh, well, there are all of these people that are full of poisons and so forth. Well, the dose that was being tested in most of these studies is 200 micrograms per kilogram, Mm -hmm. which is the same dose we use for for Norwegian scabies. And incidentally, it's the same dose per weight as in the horse warmer. And just because they make such a big deal out about the horse warmer and it's this, that, and the other, it's U.S. pharmaceutical grade. And it's the same concentration as it is for humans. And it's the same weight-based dose. So unless you're an idiot, you know, you, you can know the right dose to take for humans, and it's $3. Mike, Mike can I stop you on that point, on that unless you're an idiot thing? Because one of the things that has been bothering me lately is this meme that you, uh, this theme you see going around, particularly at MSNBC and CNN, saying that you're taking animal medicine you know, it's as if yeah. you went to a veterinarian. I, I, I just, how many medicines are there? I can think of Benadryl as the first example as a dog owner. <laughs> and no one ever told yeah. me I was taking dog medicine when I took Benadryl. Keflex, almost all your antibiotics. There you go. Bactrim, metronidazole, uh, uh, numerous tranquilizers, ketamine, you know, it was the first a cat tranquilizer. It's, it's U.S. pharmaceutical grade. Now, I'm not telling people to use No, the, no one is. No one is. People do what their doctors but, and they want to do. Right. Go on. Mm-hmm. But I, I have in the past had pharmacists tell me when you couldn't find a pharmacy that had uh, ivermectin in it for humans, uh, I've had pharmacists say, hey, just use the, the horse dosage because it's, it's one cc for every 100 pounds, and that's 200 micrograms per kilogram, which was the correct dose. And so, I mean, I have I have had pharmacists tell me to use it in that manner when you couldn't get it for humans. Mike, you're a but, tremendous uh, yeah. resource. Can can I ask you a, a favor? Um, I've got to take a quick commercial break. Can I keep you on just a little? Because I want to. I, I would love to hear what you have to say to parents who come to you and ask you what they should do about their kids. Can Can I ask you that question when we come back? Not as what you're recommending, but just what your thinking is. Yes. I would love that. I appreciate it. Uh, we're kind of in this odd vacuum. I, I'm grateful for the Yale reference. I just think in a country in the twenty in in, in the in in the year 2021 should be able to have access to simpler concepts so that we aren't forced to just trust what Joe Biden says or just trust what Anthony Fauci says. I have now my list is now 15. It is now 15 things Fauci or the CDC have said. That were major things about COVID that turned out to not be true within 30 days of them being said. Now, people will say, well, you know, Seth, science changes and these people were right at the time. And I'm saying, well, if they would have told us that, we'd be much more accepting of that. 
And if the people who listen to them as if they are their priest or rabbi would understand that, maybe we'd be a much more comfortable and agreeable society. But people take every utterance from Fauci or the CDC spokesman or Walensky as gospel, hard gospel, muscular gospel, and enforce it against you and their friends and their families at least for 30 days with no sense of shame, embarrassment, remorse, or humility about being wrong. Sleepson show when I... Uh say we have the best audience in the world. I mean it. We really do. And we are uh, delighted to have a listener caller, Mike, a physician uh, from Carefree, calling in on uh, some of what Joe Biden said, some of where to go to get data on COVID. Uh, Mike, thanks for staying with us. I really appreciate it. The focus of the no last... Problem. Yeah, you betcha. The focus for the last couple of weeks has been uh, has been um, what I think is sensationalism, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, about what is taking place with children and COVID. From your purview and perch, how bad is it? How at risk are they? And when parents who just don't know what to do uh, come for advice, what, what, what are the things they should be thinking about? What are the things you would like them to be thinking about? Well, um, there, there is certainly uh, a higher propensity with, the, with this uh, variant of younger adults getting sicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is clearly true, um, and not just, you know, that. But still, the risk-to-benefit ratios for children are really unknown. Um, I, I'm, I'm not practicing right at this moment because of an injury, but uh, uh, during the, the, the entire thing, uh, I, never put a, I never put a kid in the ICU that, you know, with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are... It should be a one-on-one, you know, discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the child's comorbidities? Is there a reason? Is there a family history? Is there is this person of uh, uh, is a kid obese, Mediterranean descent, immunocompromised, have a hemoglobinopathy? If all of if any of those things are there, then certainly you consider. But this vaccine is truly still experimental that's what i'm wondering if parents are crazy when they say i just don't have enough info yet or we don't have enough time yet you know i'm an adult maybe i'll do something but i don't know if i want my my 13 year old to do this are, are they crazy well, for asking that question no they're not because the, unfortunately the cdc and the nih though they have done wonderful things are heavily lobbied by the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. And as one of my colleagues used to always say, if you want to find out whether or not it's a good thing to do, follow the money and ask the question mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, pushing, for example, to have the third dose of uh, vaccine, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, is, that, is that reasonable? I don't think it's harmful. But is, is there hard data to support that in non-immunocompromised people? Not really. And that's in that medical letter report that mm-hmm, I uh, mm-hmm. referred you to. Yeah. And with children particularly, we know that there is a somewhere between one and three and 100,000 risk of uh, myocarditis, 
uh, coagulopathies, uh, and, and clotting disorders. So if your risk of death is not greater than that, then your, your, your risk to benefit ratio doesn't, doesn't add up. Yeah. And so you, you, I, 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 we don't know what all the answers are here. A lot of this is preliminary data, but what's true is probably nothing is as bad or as good as they're saying. It I've is. always it's believed that. I've always believed about almost everything. I'm glad you said that. I've always maintained that position. That having yeah. been said, with a lot that's unknown, as you point out, I just it's hard for me to shame parents who want to have a little bit of a of, of a concern over their kids. It's just hard for me to get on board well, with that. Everybody wants to use the most expensive thing possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, well, the first thing we did was have ventilators, and we found out that proning people and using high-flow nasal prongs is better for them than being on expensive ventilators. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we and the monoclonal antibodies they were using, oh, my God, it's saving lives and blah, 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 blah. Well, the hardcore data on that is pretty sketchy, probably better on ivermectin. Why, why, why did ivermectin? Is this part of using the most expensive thing first? Why did ivermectin become such a uh, pinata here? I mean, I don't know much about it, but I, I, I obviously well, read all the commentary. Well, ivermectin is a wormer that turns out has a, a significant affinity for the spike protein, almost five thousand fold more affinity for the spike portion of the virus protein than anything else they tested. Okay. And the thing is, nobody's interested in getting it uh, into into circulation because there's no money in it. It's it's a patent that was never enforced, so nobody can make real money on it. Okay. Now, um, is it is it great? I don't know. Is it bad? I don't know. It's probably not. It's nearly as bad as, as everybody says it is because you you give it to humans, you give it to dogs, you give it to cats, you give it to horses. Kind of like hydroxychloroquine, right? Kinda. Yeah, I mean not. Well, I think I I I think it's safer than hydroxychloroquine. Oh wow! And and has the potential to be better. Now, uh, the the thing is, I don't know why people are so resistant to having good studies. Right. Because this is a dirt cheap drug with low toxicity. We should know already with you know how well this works. Well, I think you're right, buddy. Uh, Mike, I really thank you. Uh, keep keep on us. Stay with us. Uh, we're going to rely on uh, on experts like yourself. I really appreciate it. All right. Have Th- a good day. Thank you. I appreciate it so very much. I I, I always uh, uh, I always stop when I hear someone use one of those words like it's a wormer. It could also be used, I think, as a dewormer. It's one of those words that its opposite means actually the same thing like flammable and inflammable. There are other words like that in and of themselves that it's actually the reverse, in and of themselves that can mean two things, sanction. I don't know why anyone uses the word sanction. It can mean punishment and it can be it can also mean approval. Why would you ever use that word? Maybe it's for the people who who live by the philosophy of better to ask forgiveness than permission. Maybe they like the word sanction because it can work in both ways. Rob is in surprise. Hi, Rob. Oh, the, you know, that just reminded me. I mean, there's a great book and movie called The Iger Sanction. Yeah. Uh, Trevanian wrote it, and Clint Eastwood was in it. This was back in the 70s, I think. But great movie, George Kennedy. Uh, I won't watch it because it uses the word sanction. 
No, you have to. It's no, I can't. But read, I can't. Read the book then. Okay, I'll read okay. the book. Okay. Now, now, uh, one thing I, I always wonder, you know, whenever Joe Biden comes out with this whole mandating thing, what is the legal basis? I don't know that he has one. I, look, I don't think I, I don't know that he has. I mean, this is virgin territory in some respects. In others, mm-hmm. um, the Supreme Court has weighed in on mandates, particularly vaccine mandates, that are found to be constitutional when the state does them. When the state uh-huh. does them. It does not give permission to the federal government to do this. Now, he's going to say oh, companies over 100 employees so that we can somehow, what, invoke the Commerce Clause? Because I don't, I don't know. know why else you would say over a hundred. Why wouldn't you say over ninety nine? Does COVID well, well, only yeah, take? Does COVID only strike one in a hundred people? Maybe that's why. Well, that's, I, yeah, I, I say that tongue in cheek uh, about a disease right. that Rob, hold the line. I'll put you right back on on the other side of this break about a disease that seems to be very smarter, very much smarter, a whole degree smarter than most of the American people. Obviously, I mean the disease knows when to go to bed and when to wake up. Think about those kids who are masked in nursery school and kindergarten and how they can take it off during the nap when the disease goes away. Think about that. It's a smart disease. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. Thanks for waiting. Well, welcome back. Yes. Uh, I was also thinking about, you know, well, a couple of things. One is, okay, you've got a private company that has 105 employees. Now they're coming out and saying, well, everybody with 100 more. Well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to fire six employees to make it under 100, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to also have to think about over the last, what, 18 months plus, all the people that have been working, whether it's in healthcare or the airlines or any other industry where everybody was working without having had the shot who didn't get COVID, now they're going to be forced to get a vaccine, apparently, and, or get fired. And that doesn't seem very just, don't you think? I mean, that's just, I don't know. I, people, people are relying too much on bad media and bad government for information, and I don't, I don't buy either one. Um, the other thing I want that, to bring that—that's a very good work. sentence. That's a very important sentence. Relying on bad media oh. and bad government—that—that's nicely yeah. put. I like that. Well, I, I kind of stole that from the old Saturday Night Live, where they had like bad red Chinese ballet, <laughs> bad cinema. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but I—I I think that's that's something you know everybody needs to really think through, and I don't think a whole lot of anything's being thought through. Uh, anymore, especially through this regime. But back in 1976, there was a swine flu epidemic. Right. And the government came out and said, you know, we all need to go and get the shots. It's a very good parallel to today. And 60 Minutes, remember the name Mike Wallace? Mm-hmm. Um, he did actually a very good journalistic uh, thing by exposing uh, the problems that came with the swine flu and had Mary Tyler Moore on who said... Uh, she went to her doctor, and the doctor advised against her getting the swine flu. And Mike Wallace had a lady on who got the swine flu vaccine and had neurological damage and later died a few years later. Um, and I think that's something 
more people ought to look at. In fact, I sent you the link, so you know, check your emails. Thank sometime. you. But it, it's worth it's worth looking at and thinking about because it parallels very much what we are going through right now. That people are blindly accepting the need for a vaccine, and what Mike was talking about earlier, and I'm totally with him. There are cheaper substitutes. Oh, and by the way, prednisone is also good for both dogs and people, just as a aside, as he was talking about those things, um, because I know. <laughs> um, but I think that's, that's something we need to really think through seriously. Is We have, we have uh, other options other than vaccines that are not going to kill people. And the pills are a very good, cheap alternative, and yet people keep pushing this vaccine stuff and i'm just i'm fed up with it and i'm not going to comply and i urge all americans not to comply (laughs) thank you rob i'm seth liebson the great tom klingenstein chairman of the claremont institute coming right up he has a fabulous new essay out about really what the conservative movement the republican party ought to be doing right now i'm seth liebson we'll be right back Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.